welcome to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. I'm Lauren LaSalle, and I'm a licensed therapist, highly sensitive person, and HSP coach. This bi-weekly podcast is meant for highly sensitive people and their loved ones, as both experiences will be discussed. Thank you for joining me, and let's begin. Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. I'm Lauren, and today I am joined by Kelsey Brown. Kelsey is a wife, mama of three, and a certified speech-language pathologist in Houston, Texas. She has experience working with children via home health care and teletherapy. Kelsey has extensive continuing education in highly sensitive children, sensory processing, sensory integration, social-emotional learning, and cognitive linguistic skills. She shares about raising highly sensitive children as a highly sensitive adult on her Instagram at as underscore the underscore littles underscore grow. That's as the littles grow with underscores in between each word. So before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that if you have any ideas for episode topics, if you have any questions for me to answer on the podcast, or if you would like to write an email sharing your story for me to read on the podcast, you can email me at lauren at laurenlasallecoaching.com. And you can find out more about my coaching program, as well as resources and links to my social media by visiting my website at laurenlasallecoaching.com. All right, here's our conversation. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited that you're here. So we have a lot to get into, but I like to start out by asking what your experience was like discovering that you are a highly sensitive person. Yeah. So I think for me, it was honestly a lot of clarity (laughs) and like a deeper sense of self-awareness. I think just like you know, I always knew that I was a sensitive person, but I didn't know about the term highly sensitive person. And, you know, and thinking back to, and when I say clarity, I mean, like thinking back to my childhood and how much I realized parts of the, or, you know, things that I was sensitive to was really about this innate trait that I had and that it was normal for me (laughs) to be sensitive to some of those things, even though most of my peers were not. So like I said, I didn't really know about this for a long time until really until I had my first child. And that's really when I started to uh, dive deeper into being a highly sensitive person. And of course, having a highly sensitive child, because I definitely knew that as a newborn, as an infant, that he was much different than what I had expected, what I saw in friends, kids, and of course, what I knew about some developmental norms as well as a speech pathologist. So yeah, it that's when I had him was really when I started to dive into all of this world of highly sensitive people. So if someone is wondering if their child might be highly sensitive, what are some things that they should be on the lookout for? Well, first and foremost, if someone's like coming to me, asking me, I love guiding them to the quiz that of course, you know about in hsperson.com by Dr. Elaine Aaron. I think it's really eye-opening, but also it's easy. It's easy for them to take the quiz and really understand a little better But of course, things that I noticed in my son and 
thinking about myself as a child was definitely fussiness as a baby, hypersensitive to sounds, lights, uh, noises, clothes. As he got a little older, as like a toddler, he was definitely very cautious, you know, kind of watching things from the sidelines before jumping in. But he was also really creative and very intuitive, also like just empathetic beyond his like age. Like you just like his empathy was just surprising or shocking for a toddler. And even like using really big words for his age too. And then his memory has always been like, has always caught me off guard. Like the things he remembers, I'm like, Ooh, I got to watch what I say. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think those are the big, would be the big hallmarks for me. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed anything specific when it comes to clothing? Like I remember as a kid, I did some like really weird seeming stuff with, with clothes, like folding the tip of my socks over, I think because I didn't like the seam or just, yeah, my parents were like, why don't you like how that feels? Do you, did you notice anything with your son or do you remember anything that you did as a kid? Yeah, I was the same with socks. I, yeah, I hated the seam on the socks. I do feel like socks have come such a long way since I was a kid, like my kid's socks. I'm like, how are these completely seamless now? Why didn't I have these? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is great. I feel like there's so many more options for sensitive kids as far as clothes now. And like even tags in shirts has always been an issue for my son. So I know just like being aware of that and finding that like don't have tags that have the sewn on or pressed in I guess it's like ink they use like ink on the you know back of the shirt now like cat and jack at target does that a lot where they don't actually use a physical tag anymore just like thank you thank you for doing that but actually just shared a reel recently about swimsuits that has been a whole other thing for us and my kids is finding the right swimsuits that fit for my son cutting out the liners like he just cannot do liners and swimsuits and so yeah just sometimes making our own modifications too kind of like you were saying with folding folding the seams like we find ourselves doing that for sure Mm -hmm. oh that's great that you're so aware of these things I'm sure that's just so helpful for him to have you be highly sensitive also and just aware of what exactly is is bothering him when it comes yeah. to clothes, because I feel like a lot of people might not be able to pinpoint that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because sometimes it is like they can't always fully verbalize, you know, what it is that's bothering them. So sometimes it is kind of some of that reading between the lines. And yeah, I guess being empathetic to like, like, you know, some people are like, but it it doesn't like, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't bother me, you know, like, why would this bother you type of thing? So yeah, being highly sensitive, it's definitely easier to be empathetic to some of those sensitivities for sure. Mm -hmm. So what is your experience as an HSP parenting both a highly sensitive child and a non-highly sensitive child? Yeah. So like I was saying, it's definitely easier for me to be empathetic to him and um, some of the things he experiences I would say for a long time I was like thinking like oh my gosh my kids need to be parented in completely different ways (laughs) which 
isn't really true. I find that like, I'm really using positive parenting or gentle parenting with both of them, but it's like they, it, it is in a different way for each of them. It definitely takes more patience to co-regulate with my highly sensitive child. Finding that regulation or getting out of dysregulation is definitely more challenging for him. It's easier for my non-highly sensitive child to stay closer to a regulated state and is just closer to that state more of the day than my highly sensitive child. So there's definitely some patience there required and you can, it's, you know, you hate to like compare your kids ever. You like, it's, it's like this hard thing that like, as parents, we just fall into like, like this and that, but yeah, I think that there's like just so much like really cool things that come from it too. So it's interesting to see the difference in their, you know, thought processing, their creativity, their, you know, stuff like that. Like you, that shines through just as much as like some of the, you know, oversense, like hypersensitivity does. So does this, you know, other side is creative and questioning kind of thought processing too. So what are some tips that you have for parents of highly sensitive children? Like what types of things come up in your day-to-day life that might be helpful for other people to hear about? Yeah, as far as tips, I think definitely what helped me the most was just educating myself on it, reading more about it. Of course, you know, Dr. Elaine Aaron has the highly sensitive child, which I thought was really enlightening, Um, following parenting experts. Um, there's been research about how highly sensitive children really benefit more than non-highly sensitive children from positive parenting. So I think, you know, my personal opinion that it's the way to go. (laughs) And so just learning more about what is positive parenting? How do I hold firm boundaries with my child while still, you know, allowing space for their feelings I think with highly sensitive kids, they really help benefit from routine and structure. And this, I feel like this sounds like an oxymoron, but they have a difficult time with flexibility. So it's like a routine and structured day while still allowing some flexibility in there for changes because it just helps them learn and grow (laughs) with that. I think Another thing that we do a lot is talk about feelings, feeling vocabulary, emotions, calming strategies outside of heightened emotions. So finding a lot of like just nuggets of the day. It's not like, I'm not saying it to be like overwhelming, (laughs) like, oh my God, now I have to add this to my list as, as parents, we don't need another thing to add to the list, but I just feel like nuggets of the day, like talking about it maybe as it comes up for yourself or like naming a feeling, naming an emotion, or even as part of the routine, like at bedtime, we always talk about like do a mindfulness activity or a a breathing strategy, like practice a breathing strategy. I think just talking about these things throughout the day, it really helps to generalize or transfer over when like in times that we actually need it, (laughs) which is, you know, when, we're having tantrums or meltdowns and we need to be able to bring ourselves back to regulated, like a regulated state, or even 
to be honest, like talking about these things and practicing them helps me use them when he's having a meltdown. Because not only, of course, leading through example, like by modeling the strategy, like a breathing strategy for like, as one example, like if I'm modeling a breathing strategy while he's melting down, you know, I'm not telling him like, you have to breathe, like take a deep breath. You know, no one that's like telling someone to like, calm down. Right. Like you're like, Ooh, don't don't tell me that. (laughs) So instead of just like saying that to him, like just modeling it to him myself, because, you know, as you know, like when someone else is that dysregulated, our brain wants to go to that place too. You know, it wants to do jump to that fight, flight, or freeze. And so like, again, practicing those strategies outside of the heightened emotions helped me use it inside. And then in turn helps him kind of almost remind him to those two and can, he can help use those as well, or even co-regulate together. Mm-hmm. That was a lot, a long answer to your question, <laughs> but, but um, I just think it's, yeah, that's, those are the things that's helped, helped me the most, at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great answer. I think a lot of people don't think about practicing the skills when they're not needed in the moment, because as a therapist, HSP coach, I, I always make sure to tell parents, these are things that you need to be practicing with your child like daily, not just when they need them, because if you bring them up just when they're in that heightened state, it's not going to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. And I think almost too, like it starts to build like a negative connotation. Like I have parents who will say like that their child, like, like screams back at them, like, I don't want to breathe. And you know, my kid still does that sometimes, but I think that there's like, you know, like a relational thing there, like they're in this dysregulated state that their body isn't comfortable in and they don't want to be there. And I think when we only bring up these, like, like, again, I'm using breathing strategies as a specific example, but if we're only bringing up like a breathing strategy in that moment, they're going to start to build these, like, you know, this correlation with every time I feel this way, I'm, I'm presented with this strategy. And it's just, you know, that negative association between the two, where if we're using it in like a positive and fun way, you know, it's not like, sometimes it's in like a calming way, like for like example, with the bedtime routine and having like a mindfulness strategy, it like helps our body feel good. And, you know, talking about that when we're using it too, like how like doing these breaths and other mindfulness techniques can help our body feel relaxed and calm and happy. And, you know, again, assigning feelings and emotions to that. But I think, again, it just kind of builds that positive association so that, like you said, when you're going to use it, then when you actually need it, it's not this like negative feeling about it. It's like, it kind of, um, yeah, you can, they can associate it with like something positive they've been doing with you or connecting with you, things like that. I also really like that you brought up modeling too. I think parents don't think about that enough and and go more toward telling their kid, trying to verbally prompt them. And like you said, it's like telling them, calm down. Yeah, They're not going to like that. So really using modeling to show the skills that that need to be used and to help them co-regulate, I think is also a huge, huge thing parents 
will hopefully take away from this episode. Definitely. Definitely. I think I say that all the time that like, we can't ask our kids to do something that we're not able to do. And like I was mentioning earlier, you know, when our kids start to melt down our, like, you know, our physiological state, like wants to almost get to that point too. And that's, I think what makes it so easy for us to yell at them. And I think a lot of parents, I've seen some other people make some like real, like kind of funny or, you know, mocking, if you will, reels about it where, you know, they're like screaming, like asking their kids to calm down. Like, I need you not to scream. I need you not to yell, but they're like yelling themselves. And I think that's just it is like, we can't ask our kids to do something that we're not even able to do ourselves. Like if we can't use a calming strategy to calm our own bodies, why do we expect our kids to be able to do that in that state too? So I think that kind of goes with modeling and that like we can't hold our kids to higher standards or expectations than what we hold ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So is there anything else that um, we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure to mention? Yeah, I think one thing that, you know, it's so easy to talk about like the meltdowns and the hypersensitivity. And I think that like, there's so much to be said about like appreciating like the really awesome and good things that come with being highly sensitive. And I think it's so important to highlight that to them and like in front of them and to, you know, build them up and help them understand themselves and be, you know, that the build their self-awareness. I have had people, you know, comment that, that they're unsure about talking to their child about being a highly sensitive child, or like, if that's like an appropriate thing to bring up to them, because, you know, like they're afraid of them, like internalizing that, or, you know, making that their self-worth, you know, things like that which I understand like that concern. And I feel like I was there too, but the way I see it is I just think that, you know, talking about it, like there's so much, so so much that self-awareness can bring for them. And I think part of that too, is knowing their own boundaries, like knowing that, like, you know, like why, why is it harder for me to, you know, be able to do all the things everyone else is doing maybe, but knowing that like, it's okay to not, because that's like, like meeting our own needs, I guess, and meeting their own needs and listening to their body and, you know, understanding. And I think like doing that earlier on, um, is just really, really helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I had known about it earlier. I mean, I found out in like my late twenties and I feel like if I had known about it sooner, it would have been I would have felt like I, I fit in with certain people where I felt like I I didn't fit in with anyone growing up really. Yes. I think that's the other thing too, is like that being aware that it's a thing, you know, that it's a a trait or a temperament. I think like, it makes you aware that like, there are other people just like you, Mm -hmm. like that feel the same way. Like, And that, you know, that there's 20, whatever different research now, 20 to 30%, whatever research you're following, (laughs) um, that 20% of other people are the same and like would do the same thing in the same situation or would feel the same way. Yeah. I think there's so much power in that, like in, in 
yeah, feeling like in, in your own self-worth or self-esteem that like, you're not just like this different, like, why am I the only one that feels this way? Right. Like I'm not the only one that feels this way. Other people do too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said too, being able to kind of identify your own needs and know that they're going to be different from other people's and what you're capable of doing is maybe different than what other people are capable of. So yeah, I think definitely learning about it when you're younger, I can see why that would be really, really beneficial. And even, you know, self-esteem building too. Yeah. I think it can help them like follow their passions a little more too, like knowing what they're good at too. And like how to use like some of the sensitivities to their advantage can help lead them I feel like I'm like talking a little Montessori-esque, but, you know, can help like follow the child a little more and like help, help, like if parents are aware of their child being highly sensitive can kind of help them, you know, follow what their child's passionate about instead of pushing them into things like group sports or something, you know, where they're like, yeah, no, (laughs) at least, at least my highly sensitive child, not all of them, but many are like, you know no, thanks. No group sports. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, being able to identify your strengths as a child, as they relate to being highly sensitive, I think would would have been so, again, so helpful for me because (laughs) in school, I got pretty much the same feedback throughout my whole school career of Lauren's a great student. She's very creative, all of this, very quiet. And that was, like my weakness always was that I was very quiet when really I'm taking everything in. I'm really listening and being aware of what's going on around me. I'm deeply processing everything and kind of being able to reframe that as a strength as an adult has just been so freeing for me. And if I've been able to, to kind of work on that as a kid, I mean, that would have been even better. Yes. Yes. And I think too. So on the flip side, I'm an extrovert. And so being quiet was never, you know, used against me, but I asked too many questions. (laughs) And I actually got told that in school, like growing up, like I will never forget the day, like I think it was my fourth grade, fifth grade teacher. I don't even remember now, but he said, like, he announced to the class, like, something along the lines of, um, like I raised my hand again and he was like, oh, Kelsey has another question as if we haven't all heard enough questions from her today. Oh, (laughs) and I was mortified. Mind you, the principal, like actually made him sit down with my parents and apologize to me for this whole scenario. Like I, but this is me, like as an extrovert, like I was like already at that age I wasn't going to be quiet about that I was like oh no you didn't just say that to the whole class embarrassing me and then like you know silencing me for asking questions and so it's interesting because my son (laughs) he asked so many questions and I like you know because of that experience for me I just always am like complimenting him I'm like gosh you have so many good questions I love your questions you know telling him how like it's just really cool the way he thinks through things and thinks about these questions that he comes up with. So encouraging that rather than shutting it down. So it's interesting how like we're both HSPs and we both have this experience of like, you know, one of our strengths 
being held against us as children, but like, yeah, like how different that would have been if, Mm. you know, maybe, um, like we were aware that like, it was a strength at that time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, the difference between being extroverted and introverted where you were like too loud (laughs) and I was quiet. And it always seems like it's to something yes with us yes I completely agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's yeah it's interesting too with like reading more about high sensitivity um you know like I think it's easy to assume that like and most most highly sensitive people of course are introverted but not all I think it's I mean you might be able to correct me on this like 30 percent I think are extroverts 30% of highly sensitive people are extroverts. So I think it's, yeah, it's just so interesting that it's like even the smaller, you know, like subset of like, I'm like, I keep fitting into like a smaller box and a smaller box because I'm also high sensation seeking. So it's like, which is like even less. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting to, to know again, I think like we were saying earlier, just that there's other people that are the same and that this is, you know, our version of normal, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I have a website. It's currently under construction. (laughs) I need to get it back up and running, but it would be as the littlesgrow.com. So until that's up and running, just on my Instagram is great. Same as the littles grow, but with underscores, I had to make it difficult. So it's as underscore the underscore littles underscore grow. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was great to talk to you and hear about your experiences and all of your tips. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love doing podcasts. I love like talking this whole world. So it was awesome that I connected with you and we could do this one together. Thank you. 